30-year-old woman comes into your clinic with some vision issues that seem to be coming and going. She's also been having some balance issues and she's having some trouble walking. Um, she has some sensory issues on her face where she can't feel her face at times um, and some bladder problems also where she can't hold her urine. These issues have been coming and going for the last 10 years uh, on and off like every two years. And what would be your differential diagnosis? What is the top on your list? Hi everyone and welcome back to the Rick You Podcast. How are you guys doing, Jack and Daniel? Amazing. I love calling you Jack Daniel. Um, but anyway, let's remind everybody what we're doing here at the Rick you Podcast. We know that medical students in particular, but residents and any healthcare providers are so strung out for time. And space. Uh, you're, give, you're giving uh, them a preview into what our topic is today. Um, but we know that everyone is so um, stretched for time. And, and we're falling behind on doing research, on reading up on the latest research in clinical medicine. So here on the RICU podcast, we break down the latest research in clinical medicine in 10 or 15 minutes and give it to you so that you're staying up to date. So today's journal article comes from the field of neurology printed in the uh, journal, uh, the JAMA on March 29th, 2021, titled Ponizumab Compared with Teraflunamide in Patients with Relapsing Multiple Sclerosis. So today's article topic is multiple sclerosis. Uh, the one-liner for uh, refreshing our memories on multiple sclerosis, it's a chronic autoimmune disease of the central nervous system, clinically perceived by relapses and progressive loss of neurological function, primarily attributed to inflammatory attacks leading to demyelination, axonal loss, and gliosis, culminating in long-term multifocal sclerotic plaques in the brain and spinal cord. As of now, uh, there are some oral disease-modifying therapy for MS. The problem is, is that there's still an unmet need for effective, safe, and convenient treatments that can be used early in the disease course. Happens to be, uh, reading this article, I didn't even know, a lot of these current medications like teraflunamide, fin fingolimod, dimethylfumarate, and cypinamod. Uh, but today's article is going to compare uh, teraflunamide with a new drug, ponizumod. Daniel, can you get us into the medications? Sure. So teriflunamide is basically the same exact drug as liflunamide, if you know what that is. Um, it's basically a reversible inhibitor for dihydroorotate dehydrogenase. Uh, which is one of the key mitochondrial enzymes in the de novo pyrimidine synthesis pathway, which we know is used many times uh, for the TMB lymphocytes uh, for the production of them. And basically what happens is, is that now if you're blocking the T cell production pathway, you're going to have less T cells available to fight the myelin sheaths in the nerve cells in the body. So, so just a quick, a quick question. What is pyrimidine? What is it used for? Pyrimidine is the synthesis of DNA. So uh-huh. you have per- pyrimidines, which... And pyrimidines, and pyrimidines. Right? So one okay, is, fine, you yeah, know, yeah. pure as, as silver, AEG, and the other one. Yeah, is, okay, okay, fine. You remember that. So stuff. it's stopping DNA synthesis. So it's the DNA synthesis okay. pathway, and DNA mm-hmm. makes up the lymphocytes. So if you're blocking that, then the TMB lymphocytes will be made with much less quantity. Okay, so the other drug now that we're going to discuss is called penicimod. 
This is an orally active and highly selective modulator of the sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor, uh, also called S1P1, which is basically inside the lymph nodes. And you basically need this for the T cells to escape the lymph node and do its thing in other parts of the body. So if the T cells are staying trapped within the lymph node, which is what happens when you block the S1P1 receptor, then it can't really do its job and therefore it will definitely not be attacking your myelin sheath. Um, and what's very good about this is that there's no active metabolites in this drug, and therefore there is a limited amount of potential for drug-drug interaction. Secondly, what's really good about this drug is that it is eliminated from the body in a rapid fashion. So it doesn't stay around in the system for a long time, and therefore it's safe during pregnancy, uh, which is something that this drug has that many of the other drugs in this class do not. So Jack, could you please tell us which one of these two drugs is better according to the trials? Sure, so this was a phase three double-blind randomized clinical trial, and it was comparing the efficacy, safety, and tolerability of 20 milligrams of the new drug penicillamide versus 14 milligrams of the current medication, teraflunamide. So this is in patients with relapsing multiple sclerosis, uh, the adults were 18 to 55. They had relapsing multiple sclerosis defined by the official McDonald diagnostic criteria for relapsing MS. So just something to put in the back of your mind. And there were 1,133 uh, patients. They were randomized with 567 in the uh, new medication, penicillamide, versus 566 in the teraflunamide. So what were the results for this? Sure. So the uh, primary endpoint was uh, a reduction in the uh, relapse. And so there were 242 confirmed relapses in the uh, penicillamide group compared to 344 in the teraflunamide group. So this means that penicillamide had a reduced relapse rate of 30.5% compared to the teraflunamide, with the P is being less than 0.001. So a basically a 31% reduction in the relapse. Uh, they also checked out the fatigue scale, um, and they saw that there was a mean difference in the treatment group of 3.57. And so that means that the, the people in the penicillamide group uh, complained less of fatigue. Uh, brain volume loss at week 101, 108 was lower by 0.34%. And... Those are the main uh, factors that they were looking at. The incidence of treatment emergent adverse events was 88.8% versus 88.2%, and the serious uh, adverse effects were 8.7 versus 8.1. So basically, the regular adverse and the serious adverse were pretty much the same in both groups. And that's the gist of the results. So basically what you're saying is that in this study, the penicillamide was a superior drug to teriflunamide um, based on the relapse rate reduction and the fatigue scale. Um, did the MRI show anything? Yeah, you said about like the brain loss? Yeah, there was less um, uh, brain volume loss. And so and the safety profiles seem to be uh, pretty much the same between, between both drugs. Uh, in the phase four trial, they're going to look at the accumulation rates between the two, but for symptom relief, this was the best. Is this prophylaxis or is this um, what, you know, during an exacerbation? This is for relapsing. For relapsing MS, this decreases the relapse. 
So, so patients yeah. who have MS would be taking this consistently, this ponisimab. Yeah, and it just stops them from from having it again. Yeah, and that's uh, the relapsing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do we also helps with fatigue as well? All that. Do we also have like the rate of infection in these types of people also? Since you know we're not making B and T cells to the same extent that we were, do we know if the infection rate? I mean, I'm assuming it's the same for both groups because they really both do the same. But we don't have data from this trial, I assume, on the infection rate. Yeah, so they have. so they looked at the adverse side effects. Then some of the adverse side effects were the infections, but you got to do something. You know, all these immune drugs are going to decrease your immune system, but as long as it's comparable to what's current treatment is, then yeah, that's... I think it's important to to realize that it's not immunosuppressive drugs; it's immunomodulatory drugs. So it's modulating the immune system. Tomato, I guess. tomato. No, absolutely not. <laughs> a I think there's bit. a big difference between a modulation and a suppression of the immune system. All right, Gabe, we will take your word on that. So can we have your attending tip? Okay, sure. So you're in neurology clinic, and you're discussing uh, one, one of your attendings' uh, long-standing patients, a 35-year-old woman uh, with multiple sclerosis, and your attending asks you, okay, uh, how do we get this patient's uh, disease under control? Um, so you could say... Um, you know, I would have said before reading this article, uh, steroids, that was the, that was the uh, extent of my knowledge on MS. Was, oh, steroids. Same here. Um, but I guess you, now you can say something like teraflunamide and other oral disease modifying drugs. And what you're going to tell your attending is that based on uh, latest research in the phase three trial, there's something called ponizumab which is, oh my God, I can't even remember what this drug does, this S1P1 modulator um, that may help prevent relapses in, in these patients suffering from MS. And I think that your attending will undoubtedly be impressed with your knowledge of this research. Do you think you should tell the attending where you heard this from? Uh, no, you just want um, to tell the attending that it was printed uh, in the JAMA, you've been reading JAMA and NEJM and other so high tier top medical journals. So you don't want to journals. say that, that you heard it on the Ricky, right? Of course, of course, <laughs> guys. Uh, people, let everyone know about the Ricky podcast. Uh, the information we're bringing you is um, the latest in clinical medicine, and it is gold. All right, Daniel. Time for the pondering question. All right. So the question to ponder of this week is as follows: All acetaminophen tablet should have N-acetylcysteine inside it. Why don't they? I, I think that if they were to do this, you would be able to take a bigger dose without getting sick. Um, secondly, it would become extremely hard to overdose on this medication now uh, due to the antidote basically being fixed into the medication itself. Um, and it shouldn't have any adverse effects that I'm aware of, but this is why I challenge you to ponder this question and come up with an answer. Thank you so much for listening to the Rick U Podcast. Have a fantastic week. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at thericu at gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter at the Ricky Team and on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for listening.